The Competitive 40K Network presents Art of War. Art of War. Strategy and tactics. Discussions with the best players on the planet. Now your host, Steve Joll and the Art of War coaches. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Art of War podcast. In this show, we go through top players and interview them on what their army is, go through their strategies, their tactics, and in part two of the show for subscribers and patrons, we go through all the in-depth matchups. Today, we have a very special guest who got top four at the Las Vegas Open, and we are interviewing him today with none other than the boy king himself, John Lennon. How are you doing tonight, John? Hello, hello. I am happy to be here, happy to be talking about one of my favorite armies, Joined by uh, one of my favorite players. Yes, that is true. I am not Steve Joel, your normal host. I am Nick Nanavati, and I am here to guide you through the light. So anyways, tonight our special guest is none other than Art of War coach Alex McDougal. Alex, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm still living the dream. I bet. Coming out of nowhere from Canada to get top four at LVO. How does that feel? Oh, man, it was great. I had hoped for five and one. Like, when I went five and one... Uh, in 2019 season, like Tyrannids were in a pretty good spot. And then the next year I went four and two, Tyrannids were in a terrible spot. And I'm like, okay, okay, they're giving me the tools. Like, you don't always get to go to LVO with like a good army in your pocket. Like, this is the time, at least five and one this year. And then, yeah, we even better than expected. So it was awesome. That's really great. Yeah. I don't think many players, you were on many players, Raiders, to make top eight and to see you be successful after years of, you know, clawing your way up there. It's really nice to see, like, from a, your friend perspective. Mm, mm-hmm. But today we are here to talk about your army. You brought Forces of the Hive Mind. It's an army you've been playing pretty much forever in the time I've known you. You some consider you a faction expert. I know as an art of war coach, that's definitely where your area of expertise lies. Um, what brings you to this arm, this faction? How are you feeling about Gene Circle with the new codex? Um, I mean, I had already been playing Forces of the Hive Mind earlier, so it was a bit of a like best in faction trophy that I was gunning for with Forces. Um, however, I do still think that the forces list is just stronger than pure gene sealer cult because even if you paired it down to the point where you were just like the warlord the hive guard and the devil gaunts i still think that's just too much of a toolbox and like heavy hitter to just ignore to not have in forces but uh yeah in the in the new year i'm probably gonna go pure gsc for a while i don't even know actually you know what i don't know what's gonna happen i get a tyranny codex in a month like it's just chaos out there <laughs> that's super exciting yeah i think every all the tyranny fans out there are really looking forward to that tyranny codex but why don't we get into it? Can you run us through your list from LVO top to bottom? And we can yeah, get absolutely. After. I should have it very memorized at this point. Um, so the Tyranid half is all Leviathan, of course, because Octarius is nuts, and it's what brings so much power to the Tyranid books. Uh, it's a Warlord Neurothrope with the multiple Warlord traits, one for redeploy, one for reroll wound or hits. Uh, it's got the adaptive Neurolobed uh, Relic for Regen CP, because we want all the CP in the world. And then I've got two packs. Uh, oh, and this is a patrol. There were two patrols. It just worked out that we didn't need a battalion. Uh, two packs of Termagants with Devourers, 128, 126. The 28 becomes a to the last option. Then Warriors, Lashwit Bone Sword, and the Synaptic Link for plus one to hit. Uh, obviously, just a great little piece of tool. Um, and then the Hive Guard. And I did take Adaptive Physiology for the minus one. Minus two AP ignore, um, which I don't think ever came up, but I don't care. I still think that's a good tech piece. Uh, and then the Malaceptor with the synaptic link for reroll damages and AP on sixes. 
and that's it for the tiered half of things. And then the gene stealer cults died was Twisted Helix, uh, because if you're going soup, we don't get crossfire. So clearly I was going to pick a GSC portion that just doesn't care about crossfire. Um, I picked units that don't care about crossfire. So Twisted Helix with the plus one strength, plus one move was just huge for the gene stealers. Um, but we've got the Patriarch with a with three spells. He's got the Twisted Helix specific, which is six to hit auto wound. He's got Might From Beyond for plus one attack. And he's got Mass Hypnosis for that juicy uh, fight last. Uh, I also gave him an upgrade that was completely pointless. This is what happens when a codex comes out um, like two weeks before. So I purchased an upgrade that gave him another spell. I didn't read that you get the spell from Twisted Helix automatically. So, so everyone knows I'm a top four playing 15 points down for the entire tournament. <laughs> Um, and then I bought the familiar as well because 10 CP or sorry, 10 points in my opinion is worth a command point because that's what he is. He's just a reroll for your, your spells. And then we had, uh, a 10 pack of acolytes with a trap sprung for the better deep strike. And they had four drills and that was a meta call based on the amount of transhuman and damage reduction in the game. And then two five man acolytes that are just going to get objectives and engage and rod and the Kellermorph who's just a legend and kicked ass in every single game I had him. And that's why John and uh, Tyler are wrong. <laughs> and then uh, we had the two 10-man pure strain squads, one with a pregame move, one in the truck uh, with an extra attack for the first round of combat. And then we had the truck, and that's the whole list. Oh, and the truck had cast of demolition charges, which is uh, came in clutch, if you will. That's awesome. Uh, so it looks like you got a, your, uh, almost a take on the standard oh, forces. Oh, sorry, and the bikes, the two five-man bikes. I forget about them because they don't do anything except be safe. The uh, they're a safety net. You can't forget awesome. the bikes, Alex. What is that? You're like MVPs. No, I have no idea. But um, it looks like you're taking a take on the classic forces list that you know John Lennon took to uh, the Austin tournament, the, mm-hmm. and that you took. Uh, pretty much all season, and you kind of adapted with this new gene stealer cult codex. But one thing that I I'm noticing is that there's no swarm lord. What was going on here? Uh, it pains my heart to not take swarm lord, but the swarm lord had nothing to move um, other than himself, and he's not so good that he should just be in the list by himself. Um, everything that was there on the tyranid portion of things that he could have double moved was all shooting units. It's the devourer gods and the hive guard. I don't care about moving anything else twice. Uh, essentially, the the move twice has been replaced by the gene stealer called Pierce strains having the ability to pregame move. So they kind of get to move twice. So they've got the speed that you're looking for for one more point than a regular gene stealer. The Pierce strain profile is just like absurdly better. Like plus one weapon skill, plus one attack, plus two AP and plus one invulnerable save for one point. Yes. Thank you very much. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, other than that, it looks like you got your Hive Guard, you got your Gene Stealers for Counterpunch, your Deep Striking Acolytes. Um, to me, it all makes sense, but I want to see if John has any harder questions for you. So, uh, you just kind of want to start off by diving right into, uh, you know, what makes the list tick pregame-wise. Um, you start at nine command points, right? Uh, I started with eight because I've got the Patrol... Um the adaptive physiology and the second warlord trait. So the adaptive right. physiology is probably the one that you're not thinking of because yeah. I don't think you guys took it. All right, because yeah, you've got the ignore AP on the side guard. So with eight command points, uh, you do have some command point region in there. 
But uh, can you kind of explain how your budget works for command points? Like what stratums do you find yourself using the most? Uh, a lot of people kind of see, uh, you know, HiveGuard and they think, oh, they're just going to spend three CP on that every turn. Is that true? Were there any other, you know, cool strats that you find yourself budgeting for? Uh, I mean, the nice thing about the GSC side of things is that it was so light on CP. So before, a lot of it was like, okay, so turn one, if I go really, really heavy with when it was more Tyranid side of things, you could like shoot twice with something, maybe Relentless Flurry at the same time, maybe on this unit that's shooting twice, maybe not, maybe you split them between the Hive Guard and the Devourers, and then you do it like again on the gene stealers that were sent forward by the swarm lord and you relentless flurry again so you, oh man like we've already burned five cp turn one the gene stealer cult pierce strains hit so ridiculously hard already that okay well we've saved two cp there because we didn't have to relentless flurry that time um yeah the gsc portion just basically barely used no cp so a lot of times it was i can start to sink more into the hive guard um but usually it was like just shoot twice if the devil gods weren't being activated i typically didn't use relentless flurry there was a lot of games where turn one i used three it was like shoot twice and maybe like a a flat six on the advance for the pierce strings and then that was it and like three cp is not so bad you get one back from your opponent you get one for the next turn it feels like you spent one cp on turn one and it almost just continues like that for the rest of the game very nice so i kind of want to talk about how the army plays as a whole I know that, um, you know, we've already done an episode uh, for anyone who hasn't heard it, I'd encourage it, talking about my take on forces before the new Gene Stercote Codex. I do think that the army has changed quite a bit with uh, the new Gene Stercote Codex, but, you know, people already know that Devil Gaunts and Hive Guard are pretty darn good. Um, as far as playstyle goes, you played with the, you played with forces before the Gene Stercote Codex, you're playing with them after. How do you think the playstyle of the army changed with the new Gene Stercote editions? Do you think, like, the army physically moves different on the battlefield do you approach the game any different or do you look at it as the same game i'm just better at it now um there's definitely some pretty obvious similarities to how it used to play um it's again a lot of it was i mean for like a year and a half now the whole game plan has just been keep the hot guard safe keep your opponent away from them let them activate you know eight times in a game um this is the tools for protecting them have kept getting better and better and then at one point, they also gave better tools to make the Hive Guard better. But in this situation, you're able to play more defensively because um, you have to sacrifice less and less to keep your opponent away from you. You know, we've got a 140-point Gene Stealer squad going out rather than a 16-man at 13 points apiece, like for 168 or something like that. So we've saved 28 points there. Instead of having uh, Hormigants move out, we've got the bikes moving out, and they're only 48 points. And they're tougher. Uh, and they, if you want, they can take up a smaller footprint. And they can do it before game. So I can wall out, like, Gato Infendi or Cult of Duplicity, like stuff that can deep strike turn one. So you're able to commit less and less compared to the old lists. And th the stuff that you're sending out there is just doing it better. Like, killing 10 Hormigons for most things, super easy. Killing four bikes that can't be wounded on twos or minus one to hit, actually have an armor save, toughness four. Like, that's still not that hard for most armies, but it's enough where they're like, I might actually mess up, only kill two or three, and I'm the last guy sitting behind a wall, and he gets to zone out a second turn. But whereas the Hormigons, they just always all die. Like, they never, you never are like, oh, I got one Hormigon left. Like, no, they always die. 
<laughs> That's true. Honestly, I, I don't know why I ever bother casting Catalyst on Hormone Guides. It doesn't matter. No. Uh, <laughs> it's just always gone. It's a mistake I will continue to make. Um, so, yes, you, you've got the improved screening game, I think. Um, have your secondaries changed at all with the new codex? Uh, what secondaries do you find yourself taking the most often? To the last rod and engage in most games. Um, I think it was almost all of them. And no, again, it hasn't really changed. You just are better at it. Now that the, the Gene Stealer cult can show up at six, it's like, it's so annoying to keep them out. You tell people that, and like you can see that little switch in their brain go, like, ah, I'm not even going to try. <laughs> <laughs> what are your to the last options also? Uh, Hive Guard, Maliceptor, and the 28 Devil Gaunt unit. You don't which find I, Devil Gaunts are squishy and get themselves killed? Um, I definitely made a mistake a couple times and did lose them. Um, it only mattered in one of the games, which of course is the semifinals, which I lost. But um, the a lot of times they were like brought down to like five models left, and I just went, "Okay, you're never seeing these again." That's fine. This was actually uh, the big disagreement that Alex and I had going yeah. to LVO. Um, I actually uh, I trimmed some of the cool tools that Alex had. That I'll admit I, I do wish I had, like a Calamorph and a second unit of bikes. And I, I used those points to upgrade uh, the Neurothrope to a walking hive tyrant. I'm not joking, a walking hive tyrant, because I can make it cost exactly three points more than the Devil Gun unit. Um, yeah. And that, that in itself was worth it for me. But if you can keep that Devil Gun unit alive and you don't have to spend points on a walking hive tyrant, you do get a lot of cool tools. Yeah, I basically the, the final debate that we had, because this went on for like literally the we got the codex like a couple days early for like leaks and stuff. The, the debate from that moment until we got the book or sorry, had to like submit lists was that like, what do we do with the two of the last? And my final decision was, damn it. I want the calendar more if he's too cool. And also what I will lose into the last, I will make up for in primary. And I think that was probably an even trade. In almost like every game because yeah kelomorph just shows up like eight inches away shoots moves seven as my objective now like you just can't you can't hold him off of any objective it's nuts mm-hmm. that's really cool yeah he's he is so versatile at that so obviously you know at lvo we were playing with the old missions giving them one final hurrah mm-hmm. luckily your list didn't rely too much on taking mission secondaries because uh that's out the window now have you gotten a chance to uh play the new missions have you you know had the opportunity to like see how the list adapts to uh just the new missions in general uh, I've played two. I did not play them with my list. I've almost like immediately dropped my list. Um, not because it's not good, but just because I've been playing it a ton and I want to experiment with new stuff. Um, I am a little bit bored of Hiveguard, which I think is fair considering I've played Hiveguard for the last 700 games. Um, but as far as how my list would go into it, I don't think it changes much at all. I mean, you can still do Teleport Homer or Rod, no problem. You've got a bunch of troop units that are all big enough. Um, there's still uh, CP to shoot and perform an action in the Leviathan book. So you can still do it with Hiveguard turn one if you feel like it. Um, or the Devourer Gaunts if you're not going to push one unit forward, which, I mean, you almost never push both units forward turn one. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the list would function almost exactly how it did before. They're five-man uh, Acolyte units, so you're still getting in- engaged as well. Like, they're still good for that. Um, and then with Psychic Interrogation being not line of sight anymore like you might be able to take that one too yeah i'd love i'd honestly love to see like the neurothrope just like bouncing around doing psychic interrogation in some matchups um Mm -hmm. because you know the two with the reroll ones good but uh you know in your list i don't think that they're what what spells does your uh your neurothrope now just catalyst no catalyst is good but you know there are some turns you can do without it 
Yeah, I would potentially at that point, I would potentially go to the neurothrope gets onslaught and the maliceptor gets catalyst because I do value catalyst over onslaught. Because the onslaught was like such a little tech choice of like, okay, maybe I advance the devour gnosis and still get to charge. Um, but if you're really worried about it, you can just be like, okay, warriors give hand out a plus one, and I can offset the advance and shoot or the move and shoot if the hive guard have to move. Like, and again, a four plus with full rerolls is accurate enough most of the times. Let me jump in here. I think we keep beating around the bush of like how this list plays compared to how the old version of this list plays. I want to just cover from the ground up, like where you put your models on table, control the tempo. It's a very kind of complicated pace type of army. How do you make decisions with it, and how does it generally just play on the table? Um, it is definitely like it's definitely playing the trading game, and because of the speed and because of how the hive guard work, I typically get to decide what trades are happening. So I will play defensively. I will grab the two objectives that I can. Um, I mean, this army definitely benefited from player placed. Uh, the fact that I could always have a safe spot for the hive guard in a key location, like my hive guard were always sitting on objective every single game forever. Player placed. Um, I mean, yeah, player placed. So that definitely helped out the army quite a bit. Um, so yeah, if I could have two objectives safe on my side of the board, I'm just able to get tens. That gets rid of the the one remaining issue that this army has is that it's still soft. Like it can get cleared up pretty well if you were to go up against a gun line with poor terrain this army still loses uh, thank you tau for bringing that into the meta um so yeah you you play defensively you've got your two one minimum probably two objectives that are just safe and you can put little units behind and then you just can get to explode out with whatever you want every single turn it's turn one you put something too close okay gene stealers go if we're lucky we can get the kill and take them off the board and i don't even have to trade i can just kill something and then use a cp to just reduce my tempo a bit. The Devouragons can push out with an advance, and you can buff them up to hit stupidly hard anyway, even though you advanced. You just get to really do very just the absolute correct amount of trading every single turn, because everything is so quick, or the things are hiding in Deep Strike. You don't have to have anything on the board that you don't want to. Uh, the Warlord trade can take your Devouragons and put them off the board if you just don't have a place to hide. Um, you can always have the the exact right amount of stuff on the board and you can always have it in the exact right places because the entire army pregame moves so kind of some of the questions i have for you because this is based on my own experience i find that with uh tyranids it's you have the ability to allocate as much as you want in any given turn because tyranids have such great mobility and just such great deployment options so it feels like i always get to choose how much i'm committing to a fight but the, mm -hmm. the problem I run into with Tyranids is that if I undercommit and I don't do my job, then uh, I'm going to get punished really bad for it because my opponent's now close to me and I'm made of tissue paper. And then if I overcommit too much early, I lose resources too fast and I run out of steam by the end of the game. Is that something you find to be true? And if so, how do you kind of strike that balance? Um, I think most of the time that balance is just from repetition and kind of knowing what can do what. Um, there was definitely a lot of fast math going on in my head of like, should the the uh the gene stealers get the kill here or like get to the point where i don't care like where i at least take the objective away from them um the thing is with this is that because of the stratagems being almost all like aggressive stratagems relentless flurry shoot twice um getting spells off from across the board you really can control exactly how much damage output is coming out so i would go in and like, okay gene stealers are going for sure 
and use the gene stealers. I'm going to take that objective away. I'm going to kill something critical or like wrap something up. How much damage do I actually need? I like, to do 40 attacks to it? Uh, not quite. Or they do the 40 attacks would only barely do it on statistics. I don't want that. What if I roll poorly? Okay, let's hand them out plus one attack. So will that do it? You know what? That's probably going to do it. We'll leave it there. Does that still not do it? Okay, they're getting the Twisted Helix spell for auto-wounding on sixes. Okay, now we've got enough to ensure that whatever they hit is going away. So you can just kind of like slowly ramp up the damage each time. You can look at the Devil Gods and go like, okay, how much do they kill? Do they need a plus one to hit from the Warriors? Is that enough? Oh, that's not enough? Okay, we can go to Relentless Flurry. Is that enough? Do I need both? You can all have, you have these like little layered stackings of damage increase as you go, and that way you could kind of always have the right amount. So it really lets you control uh, how you trade. And then the the final like ace in the hole for like oh I've miscalculated or the dice have gone poorly is the shoot twice. This happened. This happened. The buffs went out. Everything went off. I've messed up here and here. This needs to continue. This needs to die. This needs to die. This needs to be reduced. Okay, now we're gonna shoot again. And I can split the hive guard infinite number of ways. I've got six of them. One guy shoots here, one guy shoots here, two guys shoot here. Like you can just always have that very small, minuscule little breakdown of damage to pick off the last little things that you need. That's such an interesting way of looking at it. I love the phrase you used earlier, the correct amount of trading. You can really see it in how you can apply a little bit more damage, a little bit more damage, a little bit more buffs, a little bit more resources just to get yeah. it. And then I you know, we always talk about that double shooting hive guard, like we're going to shoot six hive guard in this tank, blow it up, shoot six hive guard in the next tank, blow it up, look at all this damage. And you're having hive guard double shoot infantry, it sounds like, like one hive guard into a guardsman just to clear a screen or, or make a mm-hmm. critical play happen, kill an obsec model. So that's a really interesting application, almost like it's the final defense mechanism as opposed to the main plan. It sounds like this army is really designed to play the points and play the scoreboard rather than try to kill your opponent. I know a lot of players especially with all the new damage buffs Tyrants have gotten, kind of fall into the trap or or the play style of I'm going to kill you. Do you think that's a trap to fall into, or do you think there's a mixture here? What, how do you play it like that? Um, yeah, I think if you play like Caveman, just go bash your opponent in, like it might work, but it can definitely fall apart. Like you can just fail charges, and then suddenly you've got Gene Steelers sitting in no man's land, and the four plus is great, but they're not that tough. Um, one of the games that I had that we kind of joked around about um, was in my game four, which is on was on stream against Gavin with his Necrons. They were like, oh, Gavin has a Necron army that can't shoot. There's like no way that you lose this game. And on a matchup, just looking at it on paper, I'd have to agree. But you got to respect your opponent. There's things you miss. Stuff happens. Dice do weird things. And then at the end of the game, they're like, man, that game went right to time. And Gavin got 70 points. And I went, yeah, because I played in a way where I couldn't lose. It wasn't about like, I will just go, I had may have had the tools to just go ham and just like scoop his army and win that way. But there's points of failure in that plan. The way I played it, I was pretty sure there was no way to lose. It was the safe defensive play where like, yes, you will score points. No, you will not ever be able to get ahead of me though. And I think Gavin played a fantastic game, but he just, it's Necrons without the points adjustments. He just does not have the tools to trade. Uh, efficiently. I'm probably one of the few armies that's actually faster than him, because he's got Wraiths, Scarabs, Scorpec Destroyers. Like, yeah, he's got no shooting, but his army is not slow. Those Wraiths are quick. But then I get to go, well, I, I'm even faster, because I just get to move 18 inches out of my truck. Yeah. 
So it sounds like you need like fairly intimate knowledge of your opponent's army to be able to construct your plan appropriately, knowing exactly how much damage to put in there and whatnot. A great place to learn about that is in the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I've, I, I think I have to agree with Nick on that one. Just um, one of the things with like some armies don't really require you to have intimate knowledge of your opponent. I feel like forces is just one of those that does. Um, forces always feels like you're balancing on a knife edge to me. Where when it, things go right, you know, it, it, they go so right. You know, the army looks great. It plays really fun. You know, you feel like you're in control. You've got this amazing army that requires a lot of, you know, tactical expertise and skill to play. But then when things go wrong because, oh, I didn't know you could fall back in charge with that one thing. Suddenly the army collapses like a paper bag. Um, uh, Alex, out of curiosity, short of memorizing every single, you know, thing that every single unit in the game can do, because that seems kind of impractical. Do you have like a list of questions or like a list of like, you know, knowledge that you run down with your opponent to help make these decisions or, uh, you know, anything along those lines? Um, I think. OK, so th I'm going to go over the questions. These are the generic questions I ask, like every player I play against, because I don't have the reps that you guys do. Um, like you guys get to play each other all the time. I definitely came into LVO feeling like pretty rusty. Um, so I ask. I look at this combat stuff and I go like, what's the general threat range? Can they advance and charge? Just like, can can I move faster than your combat units? What is your general threat range on shooting? Um, like when I'm deploying, how far back do I have to be? Um, do they actually hit that hard? Like, okay, that's fine. I can be in range. You won't do too much damage. What are the defensive buffs that you can throw up? If I'm metering what I'm applying to my guys, I need to know how you can mitigate that. Like with uh, Custodies is probably the best example. You can get rid of rerolls. If you're Shadow Keepers, you can knock a strength down. You have minus one attack if you're Shadow Keepers. Um, and you can like transhuman and stuff. So that's like four different defensive abilities you can put on there. I have to take those into my calculations when I'm throwing forward. Because you can go from a squad that's like, oh yeah, I'll kill everything there to like, oh, I killed one Custodian. <laughs> okay, that's a problem. Um, so knowing threat ranges of combat, threat ranges of shooting, defensive buffs that they can throw up, um, and like just general statistics, like, Hey, what do you think is kind of like your, your strongest unit here? And that's about it in this army. The number one thing that I'm, that seems to be more important than the rest is the defensive buffs. I just need to know how you can defend yourself so I can allocate where my damage is going. Cause like you said, John, if you allocate it wrong, you're just in a whole big bunch of trouble. Yeah. I think that, uh, knowing your opponents, like reactive stratagems is the most important thing. Because if you're going to, mm -hmm. you know, put all of your hive guard into one intercessor unit and then your opponent's like, oh, transhuman, and you somehow have not heard about transhuman yet in ninth edition, um, that's going to be super bad. Like, you yeah. know, if you're suddenly doing half as much damage as you expected and you didn't have a backup plan or you don't have like a combat unit there to to clean up um, when you're done, you know, Marines are on an objective and charging. It, it gets really bad. Um, I can see that with, you know, all the new books just asking like, hey, what defensive buffs are active right now and what can you put on when I shoot you or charge mm -hmm. you or whatever it may be. Um, you know, same thing, Tau. Uh, I think there's there's also like a third one to that, which is like asking just about movement tricks because uh, things like Tanglefoot and uh, apparently Tau have two different stratagems that are both minus two to charge. And yeah. uh, someone is going to declare multi-charge, get minus four and be really sad sometime soon. It, mm -hmm. it's, it's me. I'm going to be really sad. <laughs> So if there's like, this the army sounds super complicated to actually play. Obviously, you put tons of reps into it to get to where you are with it. But if there are aspiring Tyranid Forces players out there who are like looking at this and like, how do I, 
how do I begin to replicate these kinds of results? How would you give them some advice? I mean, you can definitely rely heavily on HiveGuard. That is the one, like, there's nuance to HiveGuard. Like how I was saying how I would split out, like, HiveGuard into, like, one shoots here, one shoots here, two shoot here, two shoot here. And you can get, like, really exact amount of damages to, like, oh, there's one dude left on that objective. Okay, I'm just going to pull you off of that and swing a primary. But if you want, you can just, like, I th- <laughs> unless you're, like, winning the GT, I think you can just, like, relentless flurry, double shoot hive card for, like, three turns in a row, and they'll carry you a very far away. Um, most of it, other than that, is just knowing where your gene stealers are going to be and what your charges are going to be. Um, if you can get, like, just generic basic trades out of your gene stealer cult, uh, your three heavy hitters out of the gene stealer cult, you'll do pretty well. Those are my state of hell away from me linebacker units. I'm going to go in, I'm going to trade, you're going to kill him, but you're going to take a turn to kill him. And in doing that, you didn't get closer to my devil guns and my, my hot guard. I'm curious about your 10 man acolyte squad too. I'm, I'm now embarking on a gene stealer cult adventure myself. So I'm going to pick your brain quite mm-hmm. a bit here. Mm-hmm. Um, well, what did, I actually put the exact same unit in my list without having playing a test game. And I submit this for a GT. Talk to me about how you use this unit and what it does. Um, they are kind of like the big final answer for like, okay, something big needs to die. Um, they're still, they're even more of a trading piece than the gene stealers because the gene stealers are, uh, they are actually kind of tough. If, especially if you can hit like the edge of a, of an army, kill what was there. And then they have to kind of push stuff over to go deal with them. Like if they just throw a little bit of stuff, 10 guys, toughness four, four plus field or four plus invulnerable save and, um, Transhuman, like baby transhuman, is actually pretty annoying to get rid of. The drills are made out of paper. They just explode when they get looked at. So usually they are going for uh, clear a primary, kill something heavy, like really inject it deep into somebody's lines. Because uh, those drills, I mean, the specific call out on the drills was a meta call because there is so much like transhuman, no rerolls, damage reduction in the game. I went, fine, you got damage reduction. I'll, I'll be damage one and just dig for mortals. You've got uh, transhuman. Well, screw you. I don't roll the wound. Um, <laughs> That's really clever. Can you walk us through how the drills work just for non gene Yeah, players? I love the drills, even just like as a lore perspective, because they're such a unique weapon. Like basically nothing plays like the drills. So you roll the hit. If you hit, you automatically wound. So it's just a single roll. And then any six that you roll is two mortals on top of that. So on average, you go in with 12 attacks because you hand out might from beyond onto the unit. Uh, and then you get your eight hits on statistics and two of them are sixes. So that's four mortal wounds. So you're just like, here is eight wounds or sorry, like 12 wounds most of the time. Um, and then the rest of this are, are crazy. It's like AP four and one damage. Right? Yeah. AP minus four. So unless they have an info, it's just poke, 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 poke. Yeah. You're just but- scoop dudes up. My favorite part of the drill is that they made it strength times two, but it auto wounds. <laughs> I, did yeah. I have not figured out why being strength eight matters, but it is strength eight. That just yeah. also happens to auto wound. Yeah, it's great. The, so what uh, kind of targets? You said heavy targets, but like, are there things that you don't mess with this unit? Obviously, they're great against transhuman, getting around that four up, only wounding, and they're great against uh, a variety of things with the mortals. But maybe I'm trying to think of what this can't handle. Um, they, it is annoying going into Emperor's Chosen uh, Custodies because then they still get the 4 plus in vulnerable saves and they still get the 4 plus against the mortal wounds. Um, not not a whole lot other than that, though, honestly. They scooped Swarmlord in my game against David Gaylord. They uh, they went into a squad of uh, Rubrics 
and just killed like eight of ten. Um, they were disgusting there. I, f- I feel like the worst thing for them is actually things that are minus one to hit in combat. Because uh, uh, that's probably true. Yeah, your weapon skill three, 12 attacks, and you don't really have rerolls. Now, taking out the wound part of the equation makes them more reliable than average. You know, they're more reliable than any other acolyte weapon, in my opinion. But you still do have to hit. And if I ever hit something like witches and then they lightning fast, it's literally like, ooh, I hope I rolled a couple of sixes to get the mortals because I'm actually not mm-hmm. killing that many with the drills. Yeah. So, yeah. but when you yeah. have things like that, pure strains or weapon skill two, hive guard, devil gaunt, you have ways to deal with negatives to hit. You just have to put the piece in the right, you know, in the right spot. You can't just, you know, mix up your puzzle pieces and hope they still fit. Yeah. Yeah. On on I that think- note, was there ever like a uh, a point of toughness in army that was so durable you couldn't really kill it? Like Devour Gaunts don't have AP, your pure strains were only damage one. Was it like maybe a knight army or thick city or something? We don't have to get into matchups, but was there a durability list you were concerned about? Uh, there was some that I think I had thought about where I'm like, I don't know about this, and then everything died. Like, <laughs> what could be more durable than 171 racks, right? That's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah, they just killed everything like even in my game against matt uh laura in the semifinals like he was shadow keepers which i think i think Emperor's chosen overall is better than shadow keepers but into me specifically it's better because the minus one attack is just so annoying uh when i'm charging him with pure strains all the time and just losing 10 attacks every turn um but even that army like i i killed him down to a single tank and like three dudes sitting in the back corner i killed everything um it's just those damn sticky objectives but and the fact that he played a really good game um but yeah no this army just kills everything there's no breaks on it if you are playing it right and you're getting your charges yeah a a lot of people actually look at the devil gaunt and think oh they're ap dash i'll just run my two up saves them and see what happens uh the answer is that i just take how many how many wounds are in your unit and i multiply it by six and then i make you take that many saves yeah pretty much that's the answer um the, the fun fact here is that that 26-man Devil Gaunt squad, if you give it a, a Malice Scepter buff where every 6 to, to wound is AP1, uh, that will kill a Death Shroud Terminator squad each time it shoots. That is insane. Like, it's, it's just, it just becomes average. This is just a bunch of bolters. It, yeah, yes. eventually the math just takes over. Because somebody asked me, they were like, well, what's, like, if you give them plus one to hit from the Warriors, and you give them full rerolls from the Warlord trait, and you give them Relentless Flurry, what's like the general expected output? And I was like, oh, I don't know, they hit like 110 times. And he's like, like 110 shots? Well, no, 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 that's 110 hits. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it's bonkers, honestly. Um, I The Devil Gaunts, I mean, you know, we, we've talked about them in other podcasts, but like, I want to do it again. Uh, so what you're looking at here is that you've got your, your full rerolls to hit, so you hit about 75% of the time, and then every six to hit is uh two additional hits so i think what yeah how 26 uh devil gaunts is what it's 78 shots yeah and you get yeah right about 110 hits and then you you know you wound however you wound you're re-rolling ones it's just so many dice and people i don't think recognize that until uh until they physically experience it like i, I always tell people the devil gaunts do like how often have you like told people like yeah all these buffs i can put on devil gaunts like okay, and then they walk like a rhino in range, and they're surprised when it just gets obliterated. Mm-hmm. It's one of those ones where the numbers get so absurd that people just don't really like, like their brain breaks. It's like when you used to describe like old gene stealers to people back in eighth edition, and you're like, okay, so I will move like eighteen when I use the Kraken strat to like double my advance, 
and then I'll move them again with Swarmlord, and I'm going to use that stratagem again. So I'm going to go another 18, and then I'm going to charge you, and then I'm going to overrun, and then I'm going to pile in again. And th their brain just shuts down. Like, they don't realize that what you described to them is that, yes, I'm about to move, like, 65 inches in a single turn. They're like, yeah, 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 real fast. I get it. And then it happens, and you've, like, gone from one corner of the board to the other, and have, like, wrapped a character on the back of their lines. And they're like, what the hell happened here? It's the same thing with the Devourer Gaunts. They're like, yeah, 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 lots of shots. And then it happens, and they're like, oh, I get to, it. To put it in, into perspective for people, if you get shot at by a unit of 26 Devil Gaunts, it's statistically the same thing as getting rapid-fired by 73 Tactical Marines. Wow. Yeah. And then for 2 CP, you shoot another 73 Tactical Marines. And by the time you've shot 146 Rapid-Fire Tactical Marines at people, they realize Bolters do kill things. Who would die? Especially if every once in a while they get AP. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and sometimes they're in tactical doctrine. It's just every once in a while. Yeah. So Devourer Gods and Gene Stealers were that bread and butter of Tyrannids, backed up by Hive Guard. We're still here. Um, the Gene Stealer Cult, they add a lot of other stuff to your list too. They don't just give you pure strings. You brought trucks, you brought a truck, you brought bikes. Tossing about these little units. What are they doing for you? I want to hear about the Calamorph. The Calamorph too. We gotta have a whole section yeah. about him. That that's now we're getting into the toolbox. This is another one of those things of like, okay, how do I, how do I stay safe? So the the bikes specifically were for objectives and for that first turn, stay the hell away from me. So my biggest, okay, so I had PTSD. I played against uh, Hank Adams and Steve Trimble, two very good players at a GT down in Seattle, and they went first. And admittedly, the terrain wasn't great, but they both went first against me, and I just could not keep away like gate of infinity and them shunting guys in and i was losing so much stuff on turn one and then the bikes came out and i went finally finally i have a pre-game thing that can go out into the field and zone this out so i immediately took the two bikes those two bike units were um a thousand suns like cult duplicity and the crystal or whatever can just go to hell and stay away from me um gate of infinity to jump if any orcs were doing that anything that could just immediately put pressure on turn one just go away the bikes are going to eat this up and it doesn't matter if i go second that was my like go second defense that's because tyrannids love to stall in general stylist mm -hmm. yeah i just I, again we the only d downside this army has is i can't get don't hurt me i am not tough so just stay away from me yeah some of my hardest games have always come down to my opponent goes first and then they run at me with like a fast, aggressive army that wants to start tapping me in melee. And uh, if they're able to connect too soon, or I can't kill them in time, or I can't move block them sufficiently, or make a mistake, that's always where I have my hardest games with forces. And literally any tool that makes that scenario easier, 100% slam it into a list every time. And then the truck was, all, I mean, it was mostly just there for, like you can't have too many guys on the board, you just run out of space. Or if there was an army that actually had indirect fire, that would have been an issue. It's nice to have the truck, or the, yeah, the truck just to keep the Gene Stealers safe. They can explode out for 18 inches because they get a little boost of movement from the truck. Uh, and then after that, it's literally just like either a backline objective holder or let's go play bumper cars and just annoy people because it has a minus one damage reduction. It was really funny throwing that into custodies and they're like, oh man, this thing's actually kind of tough. <laughs> that's hilarious i'm gonna use yeah. that i have two trucks i feel like that's one too many but we have nope nope i just played a game against custodies with two trucks and a rock grinder i was playing pure pure gsc and they were great it was again it was the same thing we were just like uh well i'll bump into your like, even that big huge bike captain that custodies have I'm like, yeah gotcha and then he's like okay i hit 
seven times I wounded five or whatever. Oh, I made one save. Ah, eh, four damage. Okay. I'm stuck in combat for another turn. Yeah. Do you want to solar watch him? <laughs> <laughs> we'll save all that for matchup talk for part two, where the patrons and subscribers to our website or our YouTube members now, we got all this stuff on YouTube. Uh, you can all check that out and subscribe, get access to part two of this podcast, along with Down Under and Unbroken. And then the last piece, the Killer Morph. Oh, this is what I've been waiting for. This is the best. Yeah. The Killer Morph is so good. His rules are broken. <laughs> like, like and people, I remember he came out and people were like, just talking bad about him. They're like, oh, he's not too damaged anymore. Like, mortals are nice, but they're inconsistent. But Why like, just walk us through what he does. Because a lot okay, of people don't yeah. know GC, GSC. Uh, he is a character with trash stats, um, other than the fact that he's Blisk skill two. His pistol is two shots, but there's three of them, so he has six shots. Uh, it's strength five, AP minus one, one damage. Every roll of a six to wound is a mortal on top of everything else. But every time he hits, he gets to shoot again. So typically speaking, you roll six dice, you hit five times, and then you get to shoot five more shots. So he hits another four. So he hits nine. Um, if you're going into like chaff, he just scoops the entire squad. Uh, but the, the biggest thing is with the Gene Stealer Ambush, you can do uh, strength, or you can show up at eight or six. And then with the Keller Morrison new rules, is he gets to shoot and then take a full move. If you show up at eight, you can show it at eight, shoot, move seven if you're in Twisted Helix, because you get plus one to move, be like on an objective. And if you really need to, you can just charge after that, because there's no stipulation that you can't charge. So he can just be anywhere at any time. It's absurd. He and his pistols are 18 inch range now as well. And they target characters. And yes, they are character character snipers. That does sound super awesome. But like, what is the value of him being anywhere at any time? The pistols are cool, but they, you know, he's like one little rinketing character. Yeah, I mean, his damage output is almost like incidental. It's just like, oh, you thought you zoned me off that objective? You thought you zoned me out of engage? No, you didn't. Okay, away we go. And he'll just like zip in behind lines. He's also like weirdly durable now. Because before, usually he would show up, shoot, maybe get a character, maybe kill something else. Maybe you would spend the, the stratagem back in the old Stealer Codex to shoot twice. Um, and then he dies. And now you're like, well, I was 18 inches away, which is actually pretty safe. I shot you, and then I moved 7 inches backwards behind a wall. And you don't get to interact with me anymore, because I'm like 22 inches away from you and you can't see me. And the next turn, you just step out, shoot, step behind the wall again. So you can just continue to rack up damage. Or again, he can just be like, I'm like inside your lines now, and I'm on an objective, and you thought that was safe, and also I'm going to charge your character, and then die, and then shoot on death, kill that character anyway. That's super cool. I actually really like that. I'm, I kind of am sad I didn't put two on my list, but the one I did take does have the fancy Kellenworth pistols that are strength oh, 6, yeah. AP3. Would you ever consider running those? Yes, I already ran one in my game, and it was awesome. I dropped down and just like aced a bike, like a custody's bike. I was like, that one dies. Get out of here. The thing is so um, good. The thing to remember with him is that it's heavy, so he does take a minus one penalty, and also he doesn't get to target characters with those rounds. But at that point, you're just dealing him for like, yeah, he'll just scoop that entire custody squad. I don't like minus one to hit. That makes me sad. Well, if you're pure genes third cult, you can always use crossfire to get the plus one back. Um, but unfortunately, uh, with Alex forces, he can't take the relic or crossfire. But if you're going pure genes, they're called the, the Kelomorph has Yeah, there's, there's ways around that. And the strength six, minus three, flat three with exposed as well. <laughs> it's 
strength six with plus one to wound is real good. <laughs> well, yeah, who'd have thought? Alex, you said you're experimenting with pure gene silicon. Why don't you give the viewer, the listeners, a, a taste of what that looks like? That's what you're using. Oh, man. Okay, these are all unrefined. <laughs> this is not the forces list that's like tuned to perfection. Um, I've got about three different ones that I'm looking at. I'm looking at a full bike list in Popper Prince, which has kind of got like a, a full random set of characters, seemingly random. So Popper Prince's is the plus one to hit in combat. You give all of the bikes the power weapons, so they're actually not bad in combat. And then you've got the Primus with the 5-plus and Vulnerable Save Relic, the Nexos with the Take Somebody's Abilities and Hand Them Out Twice Relic, and then the Icon Ward and the Biophagus. So you can have your bikes sitting on a 5-plus Feel No Pain, 5-plus and Vulnerable Save, Natural Minus 1 to hit, and 4-plus Armor. Uh, every turn, the Icon Ward can get them back up again because you can give them um, summon the cult, which is gross because when you take damage, you just sack them onto the quads, which are four wounds apiece, and then you just give yourself eight wounds back to the squad. Um, yeah, it's it's great. And then, of course, what you're handing out from the Nexos at infinite range is reroll ones to hit, wound, and a five-plus invulnerable save because the Primus has the relic. Um, is it the best thing yet? I don't really know, but it's a lot of fun, and it can play surprisingly defensive. You just got these big squads of 10 bikes out in all directions grabbing the objectives, and you want to take them off the objectives, but you also don't want to spread your fire out because the summon the cult works on all of the units within range. So if you kill four bikes in each unit and I get four quad or I get six quads back, I've just put on like 140 points and 24 wounds of model back on the board. Why didn't we do record this podcast before my list submission? <laughs> <laughs> Um, the other one is a myriad cult, just like an all comers kind of very balanced list. Um, the one I took had, um, uh, a couple things that I already would have dropped out of it, but, um, yeah, it's, it's all the ones it's baby transhuman. It's, uh, your industrial weapons don't take penalties to hit. It is, uh, pile and consolidate four inches and it's reroll ones and twos on your cast. And it was fun. It was just like I had the rock cutters because they don't take the minuses to hit. Uh, so the fact that they're power fists and take a minus one, it's ignored. Um, it's like somewhat durable with the ignoring or with the baby transhuman. And it was like two units of rock cutters, unit of pure strains, couple bikes, couple trucks, uh, three packs of neophytes. It was very much like a little bit from everything in the codex. And it performed pretty admirably. I, th I threw it up against new custodies with the points drop like nine bikes, Trajan, and I still, I think I only lost the game by like five points. Nice to know. Nice so my last question for you is going to dial it back to, uh, to the forces list. I know you said that you're moving on from it uh, just because you're, you know, you've played Tyranids and Hiveguard for a while and you want to try out Pure Genes they're called in this new season. Uh, do you think you would make any changes to that forces list if you were to bust it out again? Obviously, Hiveguard went up 30 points, but, uh, you know, it's still not a massive change. Uh, would you change the direction of the list at all, or would you just about keep it the same, just tweak points to get it back to 2,000? Yeah, so it's really easy for me to take it back to 2,000, because I drop a 15-point upgrade that does nothing. So I only need 15 points to find, which is like, I was only 1997 or 1998 on my points, so it would just be dropping two Devourer Gaunts. I drop one out of each, and then we're set to go, and then nothing changes. As far as the missions are concerned, I don't think it needs to change. I still have two five-man acolyte units for rods and teleport homers. 
Um, Engage didn't change for me because I don't have a lictor. Like it's not like the lictor is suddenly useless at those. Um, no, I think the list stays exactly the same. That's awesome. You're happy with the malceptor with the hive guard hanging out together and stuff. Yep. Yep. A lot of points. It's, yeah. So easy, it's easy to last. Yeah, it seems like a lot of points, and then you throw your damage D three weapons at people, and you're just like three, one, no, three. One, no, three. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Every time you convert, you just see the, like, the soul leave their body. So I've been on that, and yeah. <laughs> my soul has left my body. Yeah. All right, John, you have any more questions for Alex? Uh, you know, I've got a couple, but uh, as always, I'm going to save them for part two, Ooh. and uh, I'm ready to move there. That's right, listeners. Part two is where we have the good stuff. Alex talks about how he approaches each individual matchup with this, with this army. We're going to th- go through Custodes. We're going to go through Admech. We're going to go through all of the top armies in there, including Crusher Stampede. So check it out. That is for war members. That is for YouTube podcast people. There's so many ways to get this podcast now. Check it out. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you all later. Like what you just listened to? Check out Art of War Down Under and Art of War Unbroken on the competitive 40K network. TheArtOfWar40K.com